You're listening to the Castle View Podcast. We bring you our views on the latest news stories from around the world. My name is Andrew, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by Callum. All right. And Paul. Hello. Evening, gents. How are you? Good, Andrew. Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Good, Paul. Cheers. Callum, I'm right? full of food. Yes. yes. I'm full of food. Although, I, That's the way I don't uh-huh, feel uh-huh, like uh-huh. I am. I like it. We're meant <laughs> to sing the at the end. Come on! <laughs> I don't feel it. like it because obviously there's the Chinese food drug that makes me feel like I could eat about four more portions. But, I don't you know. know, man. It looked stodgy stuff. The pain. Yeah, in his but hand. that's good. Stodgy food is good. MSG. It's the reason very, the Chinese economy grows. <laughs> and very COVID. beige. COVID. <laughs> <laughs> That just hinders our economies and makes us look good by comparison, I think. <laughs> no, no, there's one major economy in the world has grown, and all the rest haven't. Wow, it's What would Dave though. say to that, Paul? What, say what would... Fraud! We Davey for Perth say to that? <laughs> we Davey for Perth! For Jerry He knows. He's got the evidence. Ken. Ken. <laughs> Paul... Paul, what's been catching your eye this Straight week? Catching my eye this week, right? So on Tinder, yeah. Oh, a nothing. Lot of, <laughs> lot of men. <laughs> oh, okay. No, so I've said to you guys, oh, ask me about the pig memorial on the podcast, and I've said no more. Right, this whole story, I just love it. First of all, it involves a crash on the A1 near Cockburn's Path, which is already you're off to a good start. So. Emergency services... That's also you on Tinder. That is also me on Tinder, yeah. Uh, No, emergency services raced to the scene of a three-vehicle crash involving a tractor, trailer, and an HGV carrying a load of 70 pigs in the last week. Uh, The trailer broke into flames, (coughs) and they either burned to death, these pigs, or were smoked to death. Mm, so now smoked bacon. Smoked bacon. <laughs> I was say, that's smoked and unsmoked. Well, you're bacon. gonna love where this is going then. So Peter, the animal rights crowd, have sent a letter to East Lothian Council asking them to erect a tombstone memorial at the scene of the crash, which will have a picture of a pig on it, and it will say, <laughs> "In memory of the pigs who suffered and died in a lorry accident at this spot, November 2020. Try vegan." <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it didn't take long for something on this podcast to me to get in the sea. But what can get in the sea? There you go. There's the there's the little mock-up of the memorial. Oh, wow. Obviously, this doesn't work over podcast, but yeah. There's the a proper gravestone. That... I would encourage people to go and look up this proposed gravestone. Well, I would encourage in protest to Peter's or Peter or whatever absurd <laughs> nature um, thing is to have pita bread with bacon just in protest yeah oh, it's the Peter spokesperson for it was absolutely brilliant there was all sorts of stuff that they were saying like for nothing more than a few pork chops the crash left these animals suffering and then you're like, yeah, they were probably on their way to an abattoir anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they've just been smoked slightly early. Yeah. Oh, well. yeah. As you say, Andrew, I would have been straight down to the scene of that crash to get myself some smoked gammon or whatever, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Nice <laughs> gammon joint. Yeah, yeah, Andrew was actually seen dragging two carcasses, <laughs> carcasses into his yeah. boot. 
He was one of the ones who was involved in setting the crash. <laughs> he put a ramp on the road just to tip it. He's like, he's like Wiley Coyote with a, <laughs> a trap and an Acme van at the side. <laughs> So yeah, that's what's been catching my eye this week. It's hard to beat bacon. It's always hard to beat bacon, really. So vegans miss bacon. They must do. Like, of course they do. They must do. The number of relapsed vegetarians and vegans in that year. Over a bacon roll. Yeah, they have a bacon roll and they're like, "Oh man, I've missed this." (laughs) What What are you meant to eat if you're a hungover vegan? Nuts. Get me some almonds. Yeah, but you don't need to be hungover to eat nuts, Paul, do you? Hey. <laughs> Not down at Cockburn's path, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. What about you, Callum? What's been catching your eye this week? Well, something hard has been sticking out. That's oh. caught my eye. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'll put that away. <laughs> well, it's this monolith that appeared... <laughs> Disappeared. Uh, disappeared. Does it disappear? Aye. Have you have you not heard? I keep hearing add-ons to this, and it's one of these <laughs> that I don't know how much of this is. So now. I saw the initial story. No, no, no. It's just now disappeared again. <laughs> yeah. It appeared out of nowhere, but apparently it was kept quiet. This thing has been there for years. Since 2016. Yeah. They've seen aerial so, footage from 15 to 16 yeah. which shows it was about then it turned up. So they didn't want people to come and like wreck it or you know for people to come out to the desert to try and look for it and stuff. So they just kept the thing quiet. And then all of a sudden the thing's just disappeared. But apparently the latest rumour I heard was... I, I can't remember if it's turned up now or it was prior to it being in Utah. This sat near some castle... In Romania. Yeah, another copycat looking one turned up in Romania and now another one's turned up in California apparently. But I'd heard today that an Instagram video has come out which shows a bunch of people going and destroying it and carrying bits off. So supposedly the mystery of where it's gone has now been answered. But how it got there in the first place, what the hell the Romania and California ones are. And and even the Instagram one, I don't know. Yeah, it's... You know, maybe the UFOs do exist. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm actually playing Assassin's Creed just now, which is a game that it has on it. It's about Isu, which is like this pre-human civilization that's been like long running throughout the game, and it just sounds like something like that, yeah. like this artifact that's all of a sudden shown up. I think it's just like a film prop or something. That was when I saw the initial story. I thought that's a film prop or something like that. As in, like it had been put there and they'd made a film at the location or like yeah. a publicity stunt for a film you mean no no I thought like they would it would put their film and done with it and then right. it just forgot to take and it away and left it there aye see it would have been a brilliant um thing like if they'd been just dropping these all about the place and then it had turned out to be like a film aye. prop or something like that and it was just like this stealth advertising and then suddenly you're like oh wow can I wait to see that movie that would have there, been there's not a lot coming out of the cinemas just now yeah, yeah, so, yeah. 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 But, so yeah, that was definitely a headline-grabbing thing from this week. A bit bizarre. It was, yeah. I hadn't seen the follow-ups. I'd seen the original story of the... Because it was discovered they were doing helicopter surveys, weren't they? Yeah. And they were like, what was that? And so they landed next to it, taking a photo next to it. 
Aye. And that was the article I'd seen. So I thought that was what we were discussing this evening. No, no. So I've been uh, surprised. Yeah, yeah. I, although they've seen it, they, as Callum was saying, they didn't want people wandering out to try and find it in the yeah. desert and get lost and all that stuff. So yeah. No, it's been growing arms and legs, that one. So. What about as you, well? Andrew? I mean, that's a yeah, mess. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Let's discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this metal model that's growing arms and legs. Yeah. No, what about you, Andrew? What's been catching your eye What this caught week? my eye was another fantastic public performance from one of the country's top politicians. Um, Pretty Patel? No, not this bullying week. Bullying her way? No, no, not this week. There's been no more bullying from her this week that we're aware of. There probably has been, but you know. Okay. And that was it an anti-Semitic anymore. rant by Jeremy Corbyn? No? <laughs> no, not one of them either. Although what was his brother was stood for someone this week, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. What? Breaching coronavirus um, restrictions, restrictions or I think. What was it, a Rita Ora's 30th party or something? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The party yeah. she didn't know anything about, but there was 30 people there. <laughs> yeah, and was quite happy to spend the 10 grand fine on. <laughs> oh, to be rich. Pocket yeah, change. No, uh, what caught my eye, my eye was uh, Matt Hancock's latest performance on Good Morning Britain. Mm. Um, Piers Morgan questioning him over whether he'd take a pay rise, and it made for quite interesting viewing, I thought. What, what was his take? What did he say? I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you. <laughs> it would be very tempting, Piers. <laughs> very tempting. Yeah, oh, it's, uh, it was Hancock bun path, I think, was what it was. It, it was it's a weaselly performance, is what so it was. So weaselly, um, cringe-inducing, yeah. Yeah, very much so, but really not surprising, given what we've seen from him over the last no. six, eight months. Um, yeah. The pair of us were, uh, I say the pair of us, the three of us were discussing this before we started as well, and... I know you and I probably have similar views on Piers and that we don't particularly like the guy. And that's myself as Andrew and Paul, because, you know, you and I and pointing doesn't really work on a podcast. Just be that's, for you that's true. I'll probably still do that because I'll just forget. But anyway, <laughs> but no, you and I, Andrew, do not tend to like Piers, but when you think of... He's actually very good at that kind of journalism, which so is holding people to account. Yeah, yeah. Pers- I don't like him as a personality... <clears throat> Um, and when he goes on panel shows as himself and things, I don't like. As a journalist, he's excellent, and he he mm. is a fantastic interviewer, mm. um, and always has been. Like if you go back to his like, was it in conversation with Piers Morgan? Yeah. yeah. These shows they were always brilliant because he can get to the subject in an interview, um, and he doesn't let people off the hook like he didn't with Hancock. Out of interest, who would you say is the like the best? interviewer we've got on UK TV because there's like Andrew Neil and Andrew Marr and Jeremy Paxman and like there's a few of them and I, I would say it's Piers Morgan I think you think? yeah I just think that he he's also quite good out with like the political sphere there's, yeah. so there's a few of them that I mean, I, I'm not convinced Andrew Marr's all that fantastic Paxman's probably the one that would spring to mind as being especially in his prime I mean he was, he was very good yeah. yeah but he only really did politics whereas I think that's where Piers sort of moves over is he's done this broad array of yeah personalities andrew neil's a similar one for me in that in that political arena yeah i think he's fantastic but i think just peers is the breadth that the others don't have so and you sometimes yeah. wonder why do we not you know i'm just thinking back to the brexit and the independence you know we had these televised debates that would go on why do we not have people like that 
you know, running these debates, Aye, hosting. they would yeah. actually keep them in check. Yeah, but the politicians wouldn't agree to it. Well, I know, but it's just, we just have these saps that, oh, oh can you let them have a turn, please? And then, you know, as well muting their mic, because everyone just talks over them anyway, so. Yeah. I think in years gone by, the politicians would have, you know, I think back in like 2010 or something like that, when it was... Brown and Clegg and Cameron going at it. I think if someone like Andrew Neil had said, "Yeah, well, I'll, I'll host," I think they would all done it. But in the current Johnson era, not a chance. He would have just legged it, wouldn't he? Well, he did. Yeah, didn't he? Yeah, that, that's his mo. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, what else do we have on this week's agenda? I want to come back to something that you teased. Last week, Andrew. In fact, I think your specific words were, maybe this is one for another podcast. But we were chatting about what? What were we Can chatting you recommend about? Recommend another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or you meant this one? Sorry. Yeah. This one. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, another podcast. No. Because everyone switched off. So, <laughs> Someone who knows what they're talking about. But what? Yeah. You you teased a thought, Andrew, about teachers last week and how you thought they've been gaslighted. Yeah. Was your phrase it was. by the government. Yeah. Do you want to defend that statement and expand upon it? Defend it? No, I don't, I don't think I need to defend it. Maybe justify what I said. Yes, yeah. we'll do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm, I'm really keen to hear what I said. Because I've never actually seen Andrew quite so bullshit about something. No, before. <laughs> so, Andrew, the floor is yours. Right, yeah, so first off... Do we think it's worth... What is the definition yeah. of gaslight? gaslight. The yeah. definition of gaslight is to manipulate someone by psychological means into doubting their own sanity. And why do I think the government have done that to the teaching profession? I just clicked off my iPad because that's all I needed it for, was that definition. <laughs> you brought it just for one definition. I did, because I've got memory like a It's set. worth defining our terms, so yeah. It definitely is. Um, so, why do I think the government have gaslighted, or how do I think the government have gaslighted the teaching profession? Because... Throughout this pandemic, when they've been shutting down the hospitality sector because it's not safe, because you can't mix, and they've been shutting down gyms and things and all these different places because it's not safe you can't to mix. mix in these places. But it's perfectly safe to send 30, 16, 17-year-olds into a classroom with no face masks, although they do have to in some places now, like... In the corridors in, in, and stuff. And well, in tier three areas, they do. In Scotland, certainly, they have to wear face masks in the classroom as well. Um, but for the, for all, still a decent part of the country, they're not wearing face masks, um, and they're telling teachers that it is perfectly safe. The teachers know that that isn't the case because there has to be an increased risk of transmission within that setting. Yeah, and even if the kids... Because this is the argument I've been hearing is, ah, but the kids don't really get hit by it that badly and they don't seem to pass it. And but Of course they pass it. It's just they're not that badly impacted, but the teachers that they pass it on to yeah. could well be. So, but, right, okay. So for my but argument is that the government have repeatedly been telling them it's safe for you to be in that environment. It's safe for you to be in that environment. And to the point that they're convincing the teaching profession that it is safe and it's against their own personal well-being. So are you right. more specifically talking about, because obviously you've said about six, there is a bit of a difference here, 
between if you look at primary school. Oh, absolutely. The, the this science is specifically upper secondary yeah. and everyone else is quite different. Yeah, so this is specifically the senior half of secondary school. Right. And you're, and the main argument of it's gaslighting is because they are telling them it is safe when you're saying it is not. And they're telling them so repeatedly that it's almost getting them to doubt themselves. Yes. As, that is exactly my argument. Okay, Callum, you are really looking forward to his argument. What's what's your views? Having heard that, I suppose the the interesting one would be about it is what is safe, and that is possibly where this whole. I'm trying to think if I was in sort of in government, what would, how would I sort of try and defend the action? And I suppose where I would maybe see it is what is safe yeah at, at this current time and the reality is is that safety tends to be a balance of things nothing is ever truly safe yeah so and maybe the way that it's been fr- there's, i don't know what the official guidelines have been that have been sent out to well i suppose in this country it's probably eis i think of the teaching body or, or something like that and official guidance in what regard? Well, to sort of like... say this is what the situation is, because I mean they are effectively commu- the government are communicating the teaching bodies, and the teaching bodies are then passing that along to the actual teachers themselves. That you know the the government aren't sending out to any industry out to they're not sending mass information out to yeah. people. They're sending them to the bodies that are the heads of these industries, and going from there. You know, it's like for my wife been a childminder it's the care inspectorate that gets sent the information and then they pass information on because obviously some information and rules that come in the government aren't specifying that necessarily industry by industry and it'll be the body that will interpret Mm. that and pass it down so i don't know fully how they are but i suppose i I do see what your point is with the guy with saying it is safe I think what might have been more appropriate is to say that it is worth the risk because I think that absolutely. is that yeah, is what absolutely. I think the meaning of it is is that we you know we can't afford to have this generation of later school kids who are at such a pivotal part of their educational lives to be studying from home and I understand that there's People will have arguments that children can still study from home, they can still study from home effectively. I would, argue, I would argue against that. At that age, I feel that they are still in secondary school, they still need a degree of support. They are not yet university students who See, should be I independent think, learners. So, I think so many of our school children go to university not capable of independent learning. And that, I mean, that's a different debate, again. Yes, it is. Well, yeah. let's have it. But, I think that this is an opportunity to improve how that is brought to kids in when you, school When you well. were in S4, S5, S6, if you'd had the option to do independent learning from home, would you have done it or would you have been straight on the PlayStation? Or whatever else it would have yeah, been? Yeah, I wouldn't have done it because like, I didn't do homework yeah. when I was at that point in yeah, school. Neither but... did I. So wh- I get your point that I do understand the whole wider point we've had this debate before about the you go off to uni and you you just don't study because you're not used to it but i'm i'm just not convinced that if you get kids to be learned from home that, that they would do it 
my, I, Unless you embed it from like eight years old or something really young. I, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of debate going about as to... It's, it's more been when there's been talk of exams getting cancelled or not. Yeah. The problem is, is that folk are like, well, we shouldn't have exam stuff anyway. And it's like, look, there's maybe some credibility in that argument. But as you, the, these children who are at the exam stage of their educational lives... That is what they've been led up to. Yeah, they've been led up to sit those exams. So it's all well and good if we want to have a conversation about whether or not examinations are appropriate for children of that age. I am all for that because my answer to it would be no. I don't think it is. I don't. It, there's maybe a place for it, but there's too much waiting on it just now. Yeah. But to me, that is an argument for children that are at best the kids that are still in primary school now, if not. Even some of the latter ones in primary school now are maybe already too far. As you say, probably around eight is when they may. You need to condition them over time. Being conditioned for Should it. exams be scrapped has been added to the backlog of topics there, boys. I think as soon as we get exam week, whenever the hell that is, that's going to be coming out. But I do think, I do think yes, perhaps the wording to go back to the thing on teachers. I do think perhaps the wording could have been better on it I don't know if I would fully agree that I feel it's gone as far I mean I feel like gaslighting the connotations of gaslighting are almost torturous and it was a heavy handed word to provoke a response yeah Yeah. absolutely right so I have a, a secondary point in that I am aware of teachers who have been told if you catch COVID in school it's not because there aren't protocols in, in place. It's because you haven't followed them. Yeah, that's crap. Yeah, but that is that not just upper management being idiots? But is that not the same thing again? Yeah, but... The, that's dismissing the risk of a situation and saying that... Yeah, but there was if, a... If you are hurt, it is your fault. Is that not textbook abusive relationship? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. not okay. Yeah. But by the same extent, I heard on the radio earlier on in the week, that one in two teachers, second, uh, uh, just said teachers, I believe, in Dundee have been physically assaulted in the workplace. Yeah. So, like, now, I'm not saying that the response to that is saying it is your fault. It's, but, you know, teaching isn't safe in reality. Modern teaching is getting worse. Yeah. But this, I mean, this isn't just in response to teachers, though, about this whole if you catch COVID, it's your fault. That's the response by, I feel, by everybody in lots of industries because it's passing the buck. Oh, yeah. And, that, yeah. and it's not, this is not something unique to teaching. This is what everybody's trying to do. Say, no, no, we've done what we were meant to do, so therefore you must have done something wrong. Yeah, I remember Boris coming out in roughly September time because it was just after Eat Out to Help Out had all kind of concluded where he made some sort of televised address. It wasn't one of the hmm. kind of daily briefings, but it was just another one where he said, yeah, I think the public's got a bit blasé about following the guidelines. And it was like, hold on, Boris, you've just been encouraging Eat Out to help out and get back out and you know get on the public transport. And it was total buck passing from actually, no, it's you guys haven't been following the guidance properly. That's why the second wave is now starting here. So 
Yeah, it's it's right from the very top of government all the way down. It, it's an interesting one about the conversation about face masks in the upper secondary school because I would have actually said in wider society, since face masks became so prevalent within society, we have all become very blasé. You don't go into the... When, before face masks, when you went to the supermarket, everything was... All the aisles were one way. Yeah. It was your... They had all these markings on up and down the aisles to sort of keep everybody two metres apart. Now it's just gone back to being a free-for-all. Yeah. Nobody stays two metres apart from each other yeah. whatsoever. You People have would the, step off the pavement and things like yeah. that if you were in town to go past you. But you that have a home shopper who cuts right in front of you to grab something off the shelf, which they do anyway. You just want to punt them when they do it. But... That's for another podcast. Um, <laughs> and so my concern to a degree would be, well, I'm not in secondary school anymore, so I don't know what it's like. I can't imagine that they're currently keeping two metres apart and things like that. No way, but come on. you do wonder, if they all have face masks on, actually, do they just get even... You know, the rest of society's got worse since we've got face masks. So actually, by giving them face masks, would the teachers be any safer? <laughs> My understanding from um, my mum's man who's a teacher in a secondary school is that it's a bit like a scanty now. Like if you're wearing a mask, it'll just get whipped off or like pinged off the back of your ears or you just get called a mask wanker. And like, (laughs) you can't go about school wearing a mask. You just get absolutely trashed apparently. So yeah, it's it must be so difficult to get kids of that age to... And you know fine well it'll have been designer as well. Like some kid will rock up with just a little blue medical mask and someone else will have like one of their favourite football team's branded ones or something and it'll be like... Gucci mask. Ah, Gucci (laughs) mask. Oh, there's Gimpy Andrew with his blue medical mask. (laughs) A Burberry mask. Burberry mask. Ben Sherman. Ben Sherman. Oh, man. Yeah, Mackenzie. Remember Mackenzie? Still got a pair of Mackenzie gloves. <laughs> Jeez. That must be your sold in Sports Direct, surely. So it's got to be a Mike Ashley brand these I days. I was going to say, oh, does yeah. every, I mean, you know, does every retail, dying retail brand in the UK <laughs> just go into Sports Direct? Which. Does that make a lead us on to our next what, topic? What a good segue. What a segue. That that was. Mean, you know, Bravo. It was so <laughs> smooth. Very smooth. Like an eel. So when? <laughs> like an eel. Like an eel. <laughs> like an eel. <laughs> I have to look up. Eels are the most creepy looking things on the planet. And you exist. And I exist. <laughs> yeah. It's... <laughs> they creep me out. That's, what, that's what he found in that hot tub. That was the guy's <laughs> last time. <laughs> well, that will mean nothing to the left listeners. Left a lot more. <laughs> I say nothing. I say nothing. <laughs> so, yes. So, how many more brands are about to be freed up for Mr. Ashley to come in and buy them for a pound and sports oh, direct stores yeah. have to knock through next door into the old Brantano shop or whatever shut down. Yeah. What, what brands has he got? Like Slazenger, Lonsdale, Donny, Kappa. Has he got Kappa I think he's well, got Kappa as well, yeah. All these different... Um, he's got things like Evan Cycles as yeah. well. He's... Uh, uh, Muddy Fox is a cycling brand yeah. he's got. All the House of Fraser is now his as well. Um, 
Kangol, I think he's got that as well. He's got a, some of them. I'm assuming he might have distribution rights to, as opposed to a lot of the brands. Um, he, a lot of the ones that you'd said there, he does. Certainly, Slazenger um, yeah. at Lonsdale. He owns Donny, those brands. He's got, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a Google question. I think we'll just Google that question. What brands does he have? Yeah. Retailers and brands owned by Sports Direct. Yeah. Does but, the Rangers count? The Rangers. The Rangers. The Scotland 5088. <laughs> Brands. So we've got Slazenger, French Connection. Oh, yeah. Soulcal, Firetrap, Airwalk, Campri, Donny, No Fear, Everlast, Sondico, Gold Dig A. Oh, yeah. Gold, Gold Dig A. Yeah. Kangol, Caramore, Lonsdale, Caramore. LA Gear are the ones that I can see listed here. Yeah. It's a lot of yeah, yeah. Evan Cycles as well that's added on. So, and the House of Fraser, and now potentially, Arcadia Group, and Debenhams, JD Sports, JD Sports, oh, yeah. all that as well. Sports Direct have that. Do they have JD Sports? All right. Yeah. I didn't realise that. Yeah, because JD, uh, JD Sports that's was the last lifeline for Debenhams was. Yes. They pulled out, and then Ashley was offering money to Arcadia as well. Fifty million loan, but that didn't cover any of their property costs, which is supposedly one of the things that sunk them during the pandemic. Like they were already in a bad way, yeah. But then during the pandemic, it was keeping up with the property costs, which has just hammered them. So, and that's even with this government, you know, no rates thing that I saw. Another retail one was Tesco have agreed to pay. F- Five hundred and eighty-five million back. Yeah, and Sainsbury's and Aldi have done likewise today as well. Yeah. Uh, which is good. From it's a bit of an honest business for a while. I wonder what Matt Hancock would make of that. Well, to be fair, you say it's honest business. The only reason Tesco did it is because they were paid out bonuses, and then the public outcry. Oh no, it wasn't bonuses. Dividends. Dividends. Yes. dividends yeah. And then the outcry from that was, if you're in a position to pay dividends, why have you taken the rate relief? Yeah. Well, I know, but they still didn't actually have to pay it back. And they didn't, but public opinion was such that it forced a hand. Yeah, people which would is still so shopped. I think they people would have still, still sh- shopped yeah. in Tesco. Well, if it, the fact is that people still shop in Tesco. It, it wouldn't change what's gone before. No, exactly. <laughs> it's, I think some brands suffer from that if they don't do these things, they genuinely risk a ruin. I think most of the supermarket brands don't carry that risk because... Yeah. If you shop at a local supermarket, you shop at your local supermarket. You've got the one you use. Supposedly their banking division's taken an absolute slaughtering this year, Tesco. Because at one point they had a third of all ATMs in the UK. Oh, yeah. And it yeah. F- fell through. That was reported on quite early, I think, in the... In, yeah, because now that everything's gone to contactless. Yeah, cash mm-hmm. has just fallen off a cliff. Yeah. That'll like, be another... So we've got the death of retail. We sort of spoke, I think, on an... On an early, was we it, touched on this last week, last yeah, week? and you know the fact that we've not really been at the town centres for a long, long time. But I mean, we and yeah, the fact that really the pandemic has just accelerated a trend that has been going on for a long, long time. But yeah, with Debenhams and Arcadia closing as well, you think that they're just going to be the next in a ever-growing list? I think this is Arcadia's top man, top shop. Burton, Dorothy Perkins, Wallace, I think, are part yep. of that group as well. Um, I saw Bon Marsh have collapsed as well. Bon Marsh. Edinburgh Woollen Mill went down last yep. month. Bon Marsh is part of that Edinburgh Woollen Mill group. Yep. And Peacocks. it was the only one that was still surviving, but they've also yeah. gone. 
So yeah, so I mean that's some. I mean that's just adding to the unemployment toll. The... So so what do you do with all of these retail workers who there's no requirement for them in the new economy? That's what we're basically saying. What's the solution? Well, it's online. You 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 have to see that they move to working in warehouses. Warehouses because, or drivers or well, that yeah, kind of stuff. Well, yeah, because if the you know with the best will in the world to supermarket and retail workers and things it's unskilled work yeah and unskilled work is going to move to being servicing <laughs> online shopping rather than physical shopping now the supermarket yeah. ones are fine just now i suppose there was some talk pre-covid you know that it was long run up to the more online shopping happening already there's more self you know there's more self-service checkouts things like that is the sort of physical staff that they require lowering but obviously someone still has to pick the orders and things like that but you know if if that trend continues the supermarkets start to die off because they're actually people go more along the sort of like the arcado route of it's just an online supermarket and there's no shop it's just a warehouse there was a study i saw the other day which said something like one in six britons now shop exclusively online. It was a pretty high statistic. Mm. Um, One and in six exclusively. Exclusively. I don't buy that. I didn't buy it either. I can't remember how much it was. Um, it was something... I mean, it wasn't like 1 in 20. It was yeah. about 1 in 6 or something. Because I remember looking at it and going, no way. No way. Maybe during the pandemic, but... But then there was a further question lower down the survey, and I admit I can't remember what it said here, but it, it was something like, do you plan on continuing to shop exclusively online when you know, the option yeah. returns to you or something like that? And that was much more split. But still yeah. the majority of people said, yeah, I'll probably just stick I, to exclusively I, I, online. I can see that just now it would be one of the six, because a lot of people are put off by the risk of going out into into the sort of wider world yeah. so that, that doesn't surprise me I, I also think some people might have said oh yeah I shop exclusively online for the sake of a survey and then not actually consider oh yeah but I do nip to Tesco's once a fortnight or you know so it wouldn't surprise me if it's a headline grabbing stat but nipping into Tesco okay. for a pint of milk and a loaf of bread is not going to keep that sector alive no so no. you know they still all of these sectors still need a good chunk of people to be coming into their stores yeah. to keep what the status quo is alive yeah so bricks and mortar retail, if it's not five years, it'll be 10 years or 15 or whatever, it's going to end up closing down. You look further out then, an era when autonomous vehicles are actually a thing, and I still think we're a good 30 years away from that. Personally. God, this is going off but, on a tangent. Well, yeah, but you get to that point, what on earth do you do with all these retail workers? I, just, I don't know what you do. The more and more you skill an economy... I haven't a clue where all these people start to work. But this is the whole thing about robots taking over kind of thing. I'm not saying I believe robots are going to take over, but the problem does become is you have populations who are doing nothing. So therefore, yeah. you know, what? how does society look? Because we're obviously talking about a country that's already got this massive bill for, or is going to have for unemployed people. But the reality of it is... Where do you retrain them? Yeah, you know, I think we touched on this last week about Labour complaining about the sort of the lack of retraining, sort of or reemployment. Well, it's like, yeah, but what is good retrain? Like, 
Yeah, retraining for what? For yeah. what? Like, unless they are going to move into probably a skilled technology work, there's not, and you can't, there's too many people to make them all skilled all of a sudden because there's not enough of a market for skilled work. Yeah. What was that thing, that the learn to code thing that came up like last year or something like that when it was being used against all of the journalists when a whole bunch of journalists had got fired and everyone was saying, oh, just learn to code. Because right. I, um, I can't remember exactly the details of that. But yeah, there's just there's not enough people that you need as coders to go around. Hmm. No, I mean, I suppose if robots are around the place, someone needs to code the robots, but it's... Uh... Yeah, but if there's 3,000 robots, there's only one bit of code they need. Aye. Aye. Yeah, so I th- that is what the whole thing... I, th- I think the whole worry for the country with the collapse of bricks and mortar retail, at least on the high street side of things, but looks like it could spread beyond that. Where do they get? Where do they get jobs? Um, and do do industries that are crying out for assistance have to? You know, do they actually have to lower down the the entry level into these things? You know, I suppose medicine's one that. I'm not saying that we should have idiots being doctors, <laughs> but it always strikes me that medicine in this country seems so hard to get into. And there's yet, such a chronic shortage and of we have GPs such, as well. Yeah, mm. we have such a chronic... And I actually just wonder, is part of the reason that we have so many overseas doctors, which again, this is a completely random tangent, but it's because it, they find taking the route in their own country more accessible and therefore can come over here as a doctor. I just wonder, as I say, I'm not saying we should all sort of brain surgeons that used to work in Tesco, but it's... Well, even GPs, increasingly, you've got to think that as tech improves there, so much of the diagnostic side of a GP will be able to just, you know, put symptoms into a software package and it'll be able to diagnose things far better than GP will. So have you ever done that online? Well. You're dying. Whatever you <laughs> yeah. you're di- you have a brain tumour and you're actually dead. Yeah. Oh, I've got Although, I mean, I don't know if either of you have had to go to the GP since the pandemic started. But I'm not thankful. No. I-, I think it's such a better process than it was before. So I, a couple of months back, uh, you guys will remember my ankle just swole up. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was huge. Um, so I phoned up the GP in the morning. Um, I got a call back maybe a couple of hours later from the GP saying, just asking what the symptoms were. It's like, right, take a photo, send it in. Took a photo, send it in. And then they're like, all right, well, here's your prescription. Uh, I'll send it to the pharmacy. Solid. Your amputations next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you but that is so much better than... But does it G- even having to wait a fortnight for an appointment in some sorts of Yeah, oh yeah. But I suppose NHS 24 is a, a wee bit like that, but it's not a skilled person that you're first speaking to. What they'll do is they'll take your information and then go, right, it sounds like I need to get... Well, it's the same with GP, because your receptionist, is, you speak to the receptionist first. Well, now you do, during yeah. COVID. Um, I even wonder how much of this could be done over something like Teams or Zoom or Skype or all kind of yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, if you know, if you were to FaceTime somebody and just say, "I've got this nasty looking swelling on my knee or Penis. whatever," <laughs> <laughs> and her name is Flora. Heavy breathing. <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, you sort of think could there be an initial 
I know there was like practice nurses and stuff like that. Mm. I can't, or is it nurse practitioner? I think. Yeah. What the, and the idea was they would take some of the workload off a GP, but yeah, could it be that things like the medical profession that are struggling, not saying that the very top jobs just get lowered necessarily, although they do still seem ridiculous. And I'm sure that my cousin had tried for years and years and years. She was a qualified doctor. But it took her so long to then move into being a GP. She said the process was so difficult to actually get accepted into mm-hmm. doing that. And it's like, well, are these other industries going to have to look at that and go, otherwise the GPs are going to be busy because no one will have jobs and then mm-hmm. they'll have no money so they'll be impoverished and then their health will deteriorate and then they'll just be even busier. Certainly healthcare is going to be one of these industries that is just growing and growing because it's going to need that human touch and there is an ageing population. So, well, you know, care homes COVID, and nurses and things like that. If we only COVID vaccines every six months, then you could just train people to stab that, you yeah, in the arm. Yeah. Well, and everyone can get their £500 bonus, courtesy of the government, can't they? How's that for another smooth segue, chaps? Not quite as good as Callum's, but... Not too bad. <laughs> Was everyone working in the medical profession? Yeah. Everyone now working in the medical profession, a £500 handout to everybody, courtesy of the SNP. Well, that's the end of the podcast, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right, because I'm sure Mike actually Mike bought the Oxford vaccine by that point. So. The, the Oxford vaccine, right, I've lost track of this slightly, I don't know if one of you guys can fill me in, but with the Oxford vaccine, there was some controversy about some of the results that came out well this is how the Hancock thing kicked off so it's because is this the whole they're only at 70% and the Pfizer the Michelle Pfeiffer and the whatever one Moderna Moderna Moderna. Um, but apparently there's some the Oxford trial isn't as far away as the stats suggest because one of the things is that the American ones have only counted statistics for people who have shown the symptoms. Yeah. Whereas the Oxford trial takes everybody into account. So the problem is, is that the American ones are not testing asymptomatic people, which I actually think is a real failing of those ones. Because to me, it's the asymptomatic people that are the problem. Yeah, because yeah, they don't know they've got it and they're storming about passing it on to everybody ah, else. The super yeah. spreaders, as they've been referred to at times. And... I do think that this is maybe why there's a bit of apprehension around is it safe to take this vaccine? And my my dad with his old school cronies has a Zoom call once a month and one of them is a retired gynaecologist and he'd said he'd looked into the... He he'd said, looked into a lot of things. <laughs> type of guy that when he redecorates his house he paints the hallway through the letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... If anyone's going to know a fanny, this guy is it. <laughs> but no, and he did, he sort of said, he did say, reading everything, that he would take it. Like, he, he wouldn't recommend people don't take it. But it's not exactly, you know... It's not a silver bullet. Well, but it's also not quite ticked all the boxes that people are saying it has. But if the option is this or nothing, it's still better to go with that. If you are somebody who would need the vaccine, 
I still would not intend on getting it because I'm totally confident in my ability to fend the thing off if I were to catch it. But yeah, if you're 70 plus or whatever, I'm 100% I'd be in the queue for that. I suppose one of the feelings that I see with the vaccines is that people with a weak immune like immune problems, which are the ones that are sort of, in my understanding, are shielding just now. I don't know yeah. how to what extreme it goes. I've just seen that it says people with weak immune systems cannot take this vaccine. So the problem is we've still got this vulnerable section of society. Which is why you need do vaccine we... uptake at such a level to create herd immunity. Yeah. To protect these people. Yeah. Just but... slow the spread so much. Well... I mean, if, if their immune system is that badly inhibited, even pre-COVID, you know, they would have had serious problems because... The slightest cold and flu, you know, could come along and just wipe them out. Yeah, flu season they used to hide away anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not actually sure that their life has changed as much, you know, off the back of this. But I just wonder, I mean, that, what you're talking about is a very small portion of the population. The amount of people shielding has been actually quite a significant part of the population. Yeah. And I just wonder, be interesting to see exactly who's classed as having too weak an immune system to be able to take this. You feel it can't be too extreme if over 80s are going to get given it, but... Yeah, it can't be that bad at all. And I mean, the shielding people or earlier in this pandemic when they all received the letters saying we would advise you to stay at home and everything like that, I mean, that was like millions. That mm. was two or three million or something. But it was kind of anyone with asthma, anyone with diabetes, kind of, so, you know... Yeah, it was really, really and broad as a, brush. As a very healthy nation, there's obviously no one with diabetes, so... <laughs> yeah. Anyone who's overweight, so that was 78% of so the Andrew population. and I were shielding. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Will be forevermore. <laughs> well, cheers, Polly. <laughs> No You're sooner... a fat fuck, and you will be forever. <laughs> no sooner is this recording finished than we're getting that cookie dough pie in the oven, boys. Underweight prick. <laughs> Scrawny <gosh>. wee runt. <laughs> we can't all just have no life that we just lift weights all the time. Oh, only I two eat, hours the, a day. eat the same meal every, every single day except for the monthly podcast. Yeah. <laughs> meal singular. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> One meal a day. Yeah. Must be grim to be you. No, it's great. That's got nothing to do with the food. <laughs> it's great fun. I think. <laughs> You're that delusional at this point. What does it matter? <laughs> yeah. So we've jumped about about the night. Jumped all over the place. We've jumped here, there, and everywhere. Autonomous cars come up. You know, Mike Ashley owning the Oxford vaccine, all sorts. But um, uh, I feel like we're going to get through this podcast episode without talking about sport and I want to rectify that. Oh, <laughs> what are you going to bring up? Spotty I'm, nominations? Or, no, no, I'm going to bring up the crash in Formula 1 this weekend just because it was massive. It Did was. you see it, Carl? I have seen it, yeah. Um, what was your reaction when you saw it? Well, I just wondered why I'd driven straight out of barrier. What <laughs> an absolute idiot. <laughs> My initial thought was so... Uh, Paul, you'd watched it live. Yes. You'd put into the group chat, I've never seen a car explode like that in F1 before. And I was like, don't tell me more, I've not watched it yeah. yet. Yeah, yeah. So I then watched that about an hour later and I saw the crash and I thought, oh, well, um, he's dead. Yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah. When I saw the... 
It's one of these ones where you're looking down the street and you see all sorts of bits of car flying all over the place. And I was like, oh, big crash. And then suddenly you see all the flames come up. And I thought, oh, right, okay, no, suddenly this is very, very serious. He's 100% dead. Yeah, he's yeah. burnt alive in there. I mean, it's amazing sure. how quickly he got out of the thing as well. Unbelievably he, he, he was on fire. He was literally on fire for about 28 seconds, I reckon. Yeah. Oh, as long as that, right? As long as that, yeah. Well, probably, I sort of saw, seconds, saw highlights of it, so it's obviously probably clipped. Yeah. Um, but he, no, he I mean, wasn't in the car that long, to be clear. He got out the car in about six seconds or something. I mean, reckon. surely if he was in the and car, barrier, the explosion but there was bits maybe. of his... No, he was when the explosion... Like, was, he, right? it, it all exploded around him, and then he was like, everything's on fire, and he managed to unstrap himself from the fire and get over the barrier. Yeah. And um, actually, yeah. his burns Maybe on his Maybe fireproof wrists, straps well. aren't good. Maybe they should get rid of those in the car. And then it just, so it then just, it would just go. <laughs> I mean, and the whole reason it burst in the flames the way it did was because the, I mean, the whole tank that all the fuel's kept in, it's not a tank like we've got in our cars. It's basically a bag. It's uh-huh. like made of Kevlar and everything, so it can move about and everything like that. But as he crashed into the barrier, the barrier sliced through the car like a can opener. Yeah. And it just happened to slice the bag into and then... But That's it wasn't it. ruptured. So it wasn't to that extent. They don't reckon the full tank went up. No, not the they full reckon tank. It was just basically a connection. Yeah. So I mean, how but it still caused the explosion. Yes, but I'm just thinking how big that explosion looked. Imagine how big it looked if the full hundred oh, kilos yeah. of fuel that he was carrying had gone up. Yeah. But surely in the explosion, the tank still went up. No, it didn't. The tank didn't go up. There was like a fuel connector rod or something like that that totally went up, but then because that had exploded as well, there would have been more fuel then uh. leaking out of this bit, which it's kept so the fire well going. so well compartmentalised as well. Yeah. Right. It I mean, it does just show that the millions and millions and millions that they put into this is... And it's actually an interesting one, um, just to go off on another tangent, because of how safety conscious F1 is yeah and it has to be it's such yeah. a dangerous sport ever since ever since the Ayrton Senna weekend at Imola yeah in 94 but it, to, to sort of connect that into another bit of sport to keep you happy Andrew is I was watching match of the day um, and they were talking nah I'm done <laughs> <laughs> and they were talking about and it was Alan Shearer and I thought at first I thought go and get off your high horse he has become awfully preachy but yeah. actually what he was saying was fair enough is that it was after the... Um, David Luiz incident. It was David it? Luiz incident. Uh, and, yeah. yeah. and what And what they were saying is that next season, FIFA put together a panel to look at head injuries, a concussion panel type thing, and they're going to do all these trials and all that. And then they're going to do the trials and then come back. And So in reality, next season, nothing major is going to happen. It's your at best talking the season after probably realistically when you look at how long VAR and stuff have taken to roll yeah. out it's probably the season after as he says just get it out just get something out if you've got to change it change it but there's enough out there to be able to just go right well rugby do this cricket I've got it American football you know like the concussion substitute type thing yeah and you know like David Luiz had to go off to get a concussion check thing done yeah. So Arsenal are disadvantaged. So there's naturally going to be this inclination to go, right, well, we'll try and get you back on the pitch as quickly as we can. And possibly some pressure on the player to go, all right, well, maybe I'm all right, I'm all right, I'm all right. Yeah. And we've seen like in NFL that there's been guys who've had severe concussion problems. And yeah. 
and you do think like why is it that a sport like F1 that at the end of the day football is every bit as well funded as F1 is why is the top also, levels yeah. the top levels yeah, it, yeah. yeah but I mean this is something far more simplistic than what saved the guy's life, you know, the halo Ultimately, the halo that. saved Grosjean's life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, we're not talking about that. We're, we're not talking, talking we need a piece of kit. We're talking a yeah. concussion substitute. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with all of that. I, I think the fact that Louise had to come off at half-time just Although, makes the whole incident look much worse as well. I think it does, but he didn't come off because of a concussion. No, and he I came off because he couldn't head the ball because of the wind on his yeah. head. I didn't really, I didn't really agree. With, I didn't agree with that part of Alan Shearer's run because he was going. It was ridiculous. He was bleeding so much that he had to go off, and it's like, yeah, but that's. I mean, the head can be very ble- bleedy. I don't know. About, don't it, does, it doesn't stop bleeding yeah, quickly. No, so I hope so, you're not one of these new doctors. <laughs> the NHS, your head's a bit bleedy. <laughs> so. You know, it's very sort of fleshy in parts, and it just keep and it does keep going. I mean, how often? Not that long ago, you sort of I can think of guys like Martin Keogh and stuff who were just guys the Stuart Pearce, yeah, yeah, the iconic Terry Butcher. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, even more recently than that, yeah. it's not like it. You know, I do think the whole thing about cuts. I don't think we need to be getting carried away with that, but concussion, yeah, has to be treated seriously, and it's ridiculous that a sport. As well funded as football, because it's FIFA's well funded. I mean, I know they hand half the money back out in brown envelopes, but it's still well funded. Well, I think we had a debate on this a couple of weeks back as well about the whole five substitutes instead of three. I was it you, Andrew, who was deeply opposed to this? Yeah, it? yeah, it was you. I, I, I still think that's where we're going to end up at some stage. This I said, season. I, I said, I, I said, I thought it, longer term subs. Sub, I don't think there'll be a limit. I think you will be allowed to use your bench. Is not as ruling, I think. Yeah, but once you've subs, once you've come yeah. off, that's you. But yeah, I think that would be an utter shambles. Oh no, I'm not, <laughs> not saying I wasn't advocating it as the best way to go. What I was saying is I think that is where it will head because I think once these things gain momentum, that the five already seems to be gaining, that I can just see it. Yeah, spiraling yeah, from there. yeah, yeah. I know, I get that, but. We've talked about sport now, Andrew. So you I'm now happy. happy. You are happy. You and I happy. So, Ali, that was for you, mate. <laughs> there you go, Ali. Ali, whoever you are, wonderful. Right. Well, we'll Gotta see keep you next. That one listener happy. Come on, keep Well, Ali, we'll see you next week, mate. You see the song. Oh, Ali, are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs>